Well, last week we um, remembered that the end of the story for Christians, the end of the story in the Bible, is not of extraction for some people, but of God moving in, of renewing this earth, of making it all that he wanted it to be. We said it's not of God's people moving out, leaving this behind, but of God moving in and transforming it, pushing out all evil and suffering, and crucially, as we're going to see today, pushing out all sickness. And with that end in mind, the quote from N.T. Wright really helped us to think about what our role is here and now. If that's the end of all things, then what are we to do here and now? Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is all about. You and I are those who live the life of heaven, even though we're still on earth. You and I are those who bring the beauty and the purity and the worship of heaven to be more and more a reality here on earth, who live in this place as though we were already in another, as a colony of that place until the day when Jesus returns, makes his dwelling place here forever, pushes out all evil and suffering and sickness forever. Our reading came from uh, a later instalment of this revelation given to John that we looked at last week. And it begins with a great crowd, a multitude of people, every kind of person from every kind of place, a diverse group united around their praise of Jesus, united around the throne of God and of the Lamb. The Lamb is a reference to Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the pure, the innocent, the holy Lamb who took on himself all that sin which was not his, all the wrongdoing which he didn't do, all the brokenness which he wasn't a part of. From all places, from all times, it all ended up on him on the cross. Though it wasn't his, Jesus took the punishment for it all going to death so that those of us who deserve to die because of our sin can instead receive his life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says it like this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Heaven, as we see in this passage, is oriented around the Lamb, Because it's through the Lamb that anyone has even made it to heaven. They're there wearing clean robes rather than filthy rags. With palm branches in their hands ready to praise him. Saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And again when one group in heaven praises it seems to set the other groups off. So the people sing this and then... In response, the angels and the elders and the creatures who we met last week, they fall on their faces in reverence. And they sing their own song of worship. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. They're saying that everything we have belongs to him, all glory, all honour, all thanks 
be to our God. Even though there's this huge multitude of every nation, every language, every tribe, every tongue, every age, it's our God, not mine. Because the work of the Spirit is to unify those who are different around the one who unites, who've been brought into one family. All those who've been reconciled come together to say that to our God. An elder then asks John, well, who are these people? And he responds, well, sir, you know. These are those who've made it through trial, who've made it through the tribulation, who've made it through difficulty, who've stayed faithful to Jesus even when things have gone up and down. These are those who've been washed clean by him and received their salvation. Therefore, verse 15, they're before the throne with God forever. They serve him day and night, giving everything that they are to him continually. And then it says that God will shelter them. Not shelter them under something else or put something up that they might receive relief under. It says that God will shelter them with himself. He will cover over them with his own presence. That they won't hunger or thirst or lack again because God will cover them from the scorching heat and protect them, provide everything that they need. It says that the Lamb, Jesus, will be their shepherd, leading them to springs of living water and wiping away every tear from their eyes. This is heaven right now. And so in the trajectory that we've been thinking of it, this is for earth now. God being worshipped continually. Unity of a diverse group of people gathered around one Lord. God sheltering us, covering over us with his very presence. Relieving us from the scorching heat of trial and difficulty. And being so close to us that he could wipe the tears from our eyes. The key word for what I want to explore with us for a few moments now comes from the first word of the praise of the people. They begin by saying, salvation belongs to our God. I was in a meeting recently, as I've shared with some of you already, with other church leaders and church planters in Manchester, and it was really encouraging. And we were going around sharing kind of how things are going, what the positives, the things we can be praying for, what's going on around the diocese. There was one guy there who really quickly was just able to say, well, at the moment, my church is praying for this and this and this. And no surprise, because we're all praying for it, we're starting to see God come through in these three areas. And it just got me thinking how clear and powerful a thing that was to have these three pillars, if you like, that we're all going after. For this next season, we're all praying for these things. When we gather, when we're praying on our own at home, when we are drawn to pray for the church as we're traveling or going about our work, whatever it is that we're doing. So I thought that we might do something similar, have a few things that we're really praying into. And even from having heard what we were praying for and discussing at our earlier service today, I'm convinced that this is God who's led us to it because of some of the common threads that have already been explored. I then shared that with some of you and we kind of sought God over it together. I believe that he led us to a few things which seem to fit under this banner of salvation. So today I wanted to say, here are three things that we could all pray for. 
we should all pray for. Over the next little while, I don't know how long it's going to go on for, maybe it'll be a few months, maybe it'll be longer or shorter. But for the next little while, let's commit ourselves to praying for these three things whenever we pray for St. Peter's, and I hope that's regularly. And to help us understand what they are, let's just loop back on that word salvation. The main way in church history that salvation has been understood, if you were to say that word to someone, they would think primarily about souls being saved. Salvation is about going from death to life, from being lost to being found. It's about being rescued or delivered or brought out of ruin into a saving relationship with Jesus. And that's brilliant and that's right. We all need saving because we've all gone astray. And I long for this place to be a place where many who are lost are found. Where many who are currently adrift from God find a relationship with him where salvation is sought after and received. The word salvation in this passage and elsewhere in the New Testament is sozo in Greek. And sozo is about salvation in this sense. But it's also about salvation in every sense. One way of translating sozo would be to think of it in terms of healing or wholeness. Everything being put right in every possible sense. It's about restoration. And it's about every part of life. So where salvation is about our souls and our relationship with God, Sozo kind of says it's also healing and wholeness in every other way. The great hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, includes the line, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. And that there captures something of the sense of Sozo. It's about all of our life being healed and restored through a relationship with God. It's about our bodies and our minds and our souls. It's about our emotions. It's about our memories. It's about our relationships. All of it coming under the Lordship of Jesus and being healed. It's about everything being put right. Every part of us being restored. And so as we think about salvation today, we're not cutting off that first description because it's true and it's right. All I'm saying is let's add to it healing and wholeness and restoration in every other way. Jesus has healing on offer for you, and Jesus has healing on offer through you in every possible dimension. So what then am I calling us to prioritise in prayer? First thing would be healing for bodies. Second thing, healing for minds. And third thing, healing for souls. Let's go through those in turn. First thing, healing for bodies. If you were to flip through the pages of the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you would see on almost every single page accounts of Jesus healing people. It's just what he seemed to go about doing. Jesus was a healer. It's inescapable. Even this morning, preparing for this, I scanned through Luke's Gospel. And after we get through the kind of Christmas story, the account of Jesus coming to earth, we see that Jesus heals many people. Then he heals a high fever. Then he heals a man with leprosy, a paralyzed man. He heals a shriveled hand. He heals a servant who was about to die, and that was from a distance, not even up close. And then he raises a dead son 
all before we get to the end of chapter 7. Jesus is a healing God, able to heal every sickness, every disease, everything that inhibits our life, every break, every tear, every wound, every infection, every fever, everything we know about, everything we don't know about. Jesus is the great healer. And this account in heaven is one of wholeness, where every wound has been salved, where every break has been healed. So if that's what it's like on, in heaven right now, that's what we want it to be in earth, in Bury, in our lives. And we'll continue on in this healing way. To be clear, as you all know, Jesus then commanded his followers to heal the sick, even to raise the dead. This wasn't just his ministry. This is the ministry of those who claim him as Lord, to continue on in what he has been doing. And his first followers did just that. In the Bible reading plan that Joe mentioned before, we're reading through the New Testament over the course of this year. And if you're following along with it, you'll know that we're currently in the beginning of Acts. The first few movements of the church after the people were filled with the Holy Spirit. When well, Acts 3, God heals someone who had been lame since birth through the prayers of Peter. The authorities want to punish Peter and those who were involved because they were trying to snuff out this Jesus movement. They didn't like Jesus, hence putting him to death. They didn't like his followers and they wanted to get rid of them. And yet all the city, the whole of Jerusalem, it says, knew and could not deny that there had been a notable sign of God's glory through the healing of this man. Someone who had 40 plus years of lived experience of being lame and everything that comes with that in terms of stigma and isolation was healed in an instant by God and the whole city was praising God because of it. As an expression of God's incredible love for you, he heals our bodies and he uses his people to continue on in that work. When I'm asking you to pray for healing for bodies, pray that this place would be a place where physical healing happens. We've seen it in part and we're just praying that God would increase it. Pray that bruised and battered bodies might meet the sozo healing of a miracle working God. That people who've had conditions for 40 plus years might experience their relief in a moment. And pray that through it all, God receives the glory. We're not doing this to have stories to tell each other or to look better than the church down the road. We're doing this because this is what Jesus asks his followers to do. And that just like Jerusalem was caught up in wonder when they heard of that man being healed. I want the whole of Berry to be telling stories of people who keep turning up at St. Peter's and leaving more whole, leaving having been healed. I was meeting a couple a few months ago here who were exploring getting married. And for some reason, uh, there was a crutch around St. Peter's. Someone must have brought it and then forgotten to take it home or something like that. And this lady, a Christian, uh, walked in and said, oh, has Jesus been healing people here? And I loved her faith that she saw something which is used to correct something where it's wrong, that wasn't currently being used, and she immediately thought, Jesus must have been at work here, and her eyes lit up. I would love for that to be the case, 
that St. Peter's is known as a place where God is able to heal, where we are those who step out, even though we might be nervous, even though we might not be sure, we say, well, it's not about me, it's about my faith in a good God who is able to do all things. I'd love for you to pray that we would join Jesus in his healing work, that we would be loving and compassionate, we'd step into the authority that he's given us, and that this would be a place and that we would be a people where bodies are healed. Second thing then, healing for minds. No one here needs me to tell you of the epidemic of mental ill health that this country is experiencing at the moment. No one needs me to say how stress or anxiety or depression crush our spirits and crush the life out of so many people, as well as the maybe lesser talked about issues of psychosis or personality disorders or schizophrenia or post-traumatic stress. For so many people, this is their reality and to whatever level, whatever frequency, whatever length of time, we've all experienced the effects of these things in ourselves, in those we love, in those we work with. I'd say that from the earliest point of dreaming about what St. Peter's could be, mental health has been one of those things which has always come to the surface for Sarah and I. We want St. Peter's to be a place where minds are healed, where anxiety is put to rest, where others might come and receive healing in their minds and in their mental health. And I believe that it will come through all the good things that God puts on offer for us, through prayer and God's supernatural intervention, through living the teaching of the Bible, where we put off our anxieties and choose to trust in Jesus. It will come through the community of faith, through us wrapping around one another, rejoicing when people rejoice, mourning when people mourn, going through the ups and downs as one. It'll come through receiving forgiveness and offering forgiveness to other people. It'll come through prayer ministry and inner healing. It'll come in every single way that God puts on offer. And I firmly believe that the church and the Christian life has a wealth of resources to offer the world as we think about this stuff. We're those people who do prayer, contemplative prayer that the world's now appropriated and called it mindfulness, right? We're those who've got a whole Bible full of truth about who we are, how we can ground our identity. We don't need mantras that we're plucking out of the sky. We've got truth that God has written and given to us as a gift. We've got so much to offer. And I'd love for us to be on the front foot about this, if you like. Not waiting for the kingdom of darkness to keep taking more and more ground in people's lives but being confident in what God's given us to go out and shine his light into the dark places, into the areas, the lives that have been ravaged in this way. Pray that this would happen here, that this would be a place where our minds are brought into healing and wholeness. Pray that our soaking evenings, Christian meditation evenings, would grow and reach new people that people who are part of the church would engage, but also people far beyond it. Pray for the things that we dream to do, to take a front foot stance against this, for all the things that are going to be needed to make that possible, buildings and resources and expertise 
and welcome and hospitality and all of those things. In Isaiah 26, it says in the first three verses, these words. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Particularly that third verse has been, I know, a refuge for so many. God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, trusting in him. Pray that that would be true in our midst, but don't miss what came in verse 1 and 2 to make it possible. We have a strong city. God makes salvation, sozo again, its defences, its walls, but the gates are open that all may come and experience it. God makes this healing, restoration, sozo, the walls, the ramparts of this city. But the gates are open that all may come in and experience the benefits of being inside. And then God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, trusting in him. I love us to pray that this will be a place where minds are healed. Finally then, healing for souls. That part of us that communes with God. Pray that God would bring souls back into right relationship with him. We think of salvation in this sense as being rescued from a life that's separate from God, cut off by sin and our rebellion against him. We need to be saved from the distortion of sin and brought into the truth of God. Delivered, in the words of our passage, from being exposed to the scorching sun to being sheltered under God's presence. Being saved in this sense, healing of our souls, is key. Coming to Jesus, bowing your knee before him, enthroning him as Lord over your life, asking him to wash you clean, committing yourself to follow him, being filled with his spirit, to give all of your life, everything you've got for his glory. In response to that kind of a heart cry, Jesus comes and forgives. He cleanses us from the inside out. He puts his spirit within us. He guides us, leads us, uses us for his plans and purposes. And then when this life ends, takes us to be with him face to face forever. Jesus said that he had come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I love that this church is named after Peter, who saw thousands of people saved in response to his preaching. We need a wave of salvation. We need a wave of healing of the soul for God's glory, where people in this area who don't yet know Jesus come to find out about him and his love. The forgiveness and the freedom that he offers. The way that he brings us back into connection with the Father. So when you pray for St. Peter's, pray for healing for souls. 
Salvation for those who don't know God. Pray for a coming alive in faith for those who know about God but don't yet know God. Pray for Alpha. Pray for Festival Manchester. Pray for your friends and your neighbours who don't yet know Jesus. Pray for testimonies to spread. For good news to travel far. For the number of those being added to us increasing daily. Jesus is a healing God in a sozo, wholehearted, well-rounded kind of a way. Heaven is a healed and a healing place. And we want that to dwell more and more here on earth for the glory of God and for the benefit of people in Bury and beyond.